Hello, welcome back to How to Rewrite Your Stars. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, joined today by Barbara Schutten. Is that right? Good enough. <laughs> Schutten? Schutten? How do you pronounce it? Schouten. Schouten. Okay. Schouten. Schouten. But it's very hard for foreigners to pronounce. Schouten. No, Schouten. It's an S-E-H. Yes. Schouten. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Well, my grandma's German, so I have the ability to say, um, what? I, I guess let me just ask, where, where are you from exactly? I am from the Netherlands. <laughs> okay. Well, but I do my grocery nor- shopping in Northern Germany. European names. I can do those. <laughs> well, I, I do my grocery shopping in Germany every week, so I'm very close oh. to the German border, so you're forgiven. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Shouting. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, Barbara is a transformation coach, a speaker, and an author. She specializes in helping people who feel different than others to be deeply connected with their authentic spiritual self. She to have a crystal clear vision of the life they truly want to live, unleash the power that is already within them, and reignite their passion and purpose so that they can have a soulful, profitable business, achieve their dreams, and live a fulfilled life on their terms now. Well, with that little bit of a bio, Barbara, um, what else can you tell us about yourself? Well, I can tell you very many things about myself, but I'm, probably, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not interested in everything. So could you be a little bit more specific, specific about what you're looking for? Um, yeah, so let's go this direction. Um, what got you started out on that journey of becoming a coach and um, kind of what was your path to personal development as well? Maybe let's start there because I find that always interesting because... You know, almost nobody starts out with their parents being like when they're two years old, all right, we're going to teach you how to live a better <laughs> life and be in charge of your own mind. Like, don't commonly no, find that. So curious where that journey started for you. Well, actually, it started at a very young age already because people used to tell me that I was far too sensitive and that I needed to grow a thicker skin, that I shouldn't take everything so personal and and that I really needed to learn how to let things go. And I got bullied a lot uh, Mm. at school, but also at home. And uh, the combination of those things, it made me feel like I am not good enough the way I am, that I couldn't be myself because myself was not accepted by the outside world and that made me suppress a really big part of myself it made me suppress the sensitive side of myself the feeling side and I tried my best to be what I thought other people wanted me to be I was very much a people pleaser and I tried to do whatever I could to get people to like me or to accept me or to want to be my friend and uh, for a while that seemed to work you know, you, I went through life and uh, I got a, I got a graduation of our, I made it to graduation, got my diploma, uh, started working. But eventually it ended me up in a severe burnout because um, I wasn't being who I really was. I wasn't also doing the job that really suited me because I really didn't know what I wanted to be because I 
didn't really know who I was. So I just did something. And then somebody saw something in me and offered me a different job. And I took that job. And then somebody else saw something in me and offered me a job. And I took that job. And so I went from job to job, never really choosing anything. I just kind of rolled through life, um, being my inauthentic self, if I look back. But at the, that time, I thought I was just being me. And that was just, well, luck or something. And uh, I was working as a project manager in an IT company. And it was a very make or break it type of project because uh, one of our biggest clients had withdrawn their uh, order or their, their projects. So we were Oof. on the verge of going bankrupt. And this was a new client and landing this new client meant that we were still in business and that my colleagues would not lose their jobs. <laughs> and if we didn't land this this client, then it would be mean bankruptcy for the business. Wow. So no, you know, no pressure. And it was a difficult project. It was a difficult client and there was a lot of writing on it. And I was responsible for a team and a lot of things were going wrong. But I didn't really have any leeway or any say in how things went. So it was my job to keep everything going smoothly. But I didn't have authority to actually do the things that would make things go smoothly. So, you know, make that it really all sucked. work. Um, but you can't do anything just, you know, within what we've already been doing, make it work. And it doesn't matter yes. if it hasn't been working. <laughs> Yes. So I could only signal things and go to my boss and say, this is, this is happening or that and that needs to change. And then they would say, yes, we're going to do it. And they wouldn't do it. And then when the client complained, my boss said it was my fault to the client. So he threw me under the bus every time. Uh... And the combination of that was just enormously stressful for me because as a highly sensitive person we cannot stand injustice and being thrown under the bus while it's not your fault because you don't have anything to say <laughs> it feels very unjust and it's very hurtful and and on one hand you have this project and these co-workers that are experiencing problems and that are asking for improvements and on the other hand you have this client that's being difficult and very demanding and it was also one that liked to push your buttons to see how long he could keep pushing those buttons before you exploded you know one of those people oh, and then wow. no support from my boss and that had been going on for three months and I could manage stress we can all manage stress fairly well actually for a significant amount of time but then in my personal life my boyfriend of seven years he just one evening got up from the couch turned around looked at me and said you know i'm done with this relationship i want you to move out at the end of the week and i hadn't seen it coming we were not arguing we had just watched a movie together on the couch um, there were no problems we were looking for a bigger house we were talking about marriage and children I didn't see it coming and then you know that combination of being in an extremely stressful situation at work already for quite some time and then just your personal life being turned upside down like that out of the blue that yeah, just ended just like... me up in that blue and the left and a right. <laughs> yes, you know, one punch after the other. And I remember just, I couldn't stop crying. 
all of a sudden I had all of these emotions and I didn't know how to handle them because that had been the part of myself that I had been suppressing for all that time. The feeling part, the sensitive side, and, and all of a sudden it no longer could be suppressed. So it was like a tidal wave or a tsunami of emotions crashing over me. And I felt like a failure. I felt like a disappointment. I thought I, I failed my, my coworkers. I failed the client. I failed my boss. I'm, I'm disappointing everybody. And I was so hard on myself. And in that period, it was actually my boss that told me, yeah, you know, but you are an HSP because you're exactly like my wife and my wife is an HSP. And then he moved on with the rest of his story. And I remember thinking, is he calling me a name? Should I be offended? Because I didn't know what HSP meant. And I, I didn't even know how to respond to it. But it stuck with me in my, in my mind. And as soon as I got back to my computer, I decided to Google it. And then I found out that HSP stands for highly sensitive person. And if he had just said that, then at least I could have done something with the sensitive person part, you know? <laughs> that would have right. to, you would have understood that, but he didn't. He said HSP and... I started reading about high sensitivity and about highly sensitive people. And it felt like I came home to myself. All of a sudden I realized I'm not weird. I'm not strange. There's nothing wrong with me. And best of all, there are many more people out there like me. We are just highly sensitive people. And we make up 20% of the world, I found out. So that meant four out of five hmm. people is completely different from me which made me feel like there was something wrong with me or like I was an alien. But the more I read, the more I started to understand about myself. And that was the start of my journey of self-discovery, the journey of discovering who I am, what my user manual is, what my strengths are, what my pitfalls are, um, and just basically who I am. And in that moment, I discovered that the way into a burnout for a highly sensitive person, which I turned out to be, is just completely different than for a non-highly sensitive person. And my boss made me go to a psychologist who did cognitive behavioral therapy with me, but it wasn't working because she was giving me assignments. And I told her, you know, I, I know exactly what you want me to learn from this. And she said, yeah, right. Okay. So what do you think I want you to learn from this? And I told her, well, this, this, and this. And she was like, oh my God, yes. That is what I wanted you to learn. And I told her, you know, I already know that. It doesn't help, but I already know it. So the way out of a burnout was for me also quite different than for the other 80%. And it took me two and a half years to get out of my burnout and having tried many different forms, many different therapies, many different people before I found the things that actually helped me. And that is how my first business to be in balance got born because I wanted to make a difference for highly sensitive people with a burnout or nearing a burnout or at least with too much stress and helping them get back to a place of relaxation and feeling like yourself again before ending up in the burnout or at least getting out of the burnout and back to yourself with a really great foundation to build the rest of your life on. So yeah. that, that's, that's the story of the business and the, and the personal development. 
Awesome. Well, it sounds like you've definitely had a time of it, but also awesome that you've been able to come to that understanding because I mean, a lot of people in your situation uh, would just, you know, get burned out and then, you know, just call it quits in one way or another and just be like, okay, well, this is how my life is now. It's just crap. And I'm just, you know, burnt out all the time. Don't have anything and just. <laughs> yes. Yes, you're right. Yeah, and for me, I remember feeling the opposite. I felt like this cannot be all there is to life, right? Is this really all there is to life? Because if, if this is it, if this is life, because uh, when you look around, you see everybody basically going through the motions and most people I knew were unhappy. So that seemed to be the norm. And you worked for money not to actually enjoy it. That's what I heard from most of the people in my surroundings. And I felt like, no, I, 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 I strongly feel there is more out there for me. This cannot be it. And that's then your driving force behind, yeah, self-discovery and, and, and not taking no for an answer and, and searching until you find that thing that, that lights you up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there that, you know, that it's not all there is to life to just work for money or to just do what everyone else is telling you to and, you know, live unhappy your whole life. It's not like there's purpose in life, both collectively and individually. Yes, definitely. And, I agree. you know, it kind of makes sense that the more you understand your personal purpose, the more fulfilling it is than just, you know, living a collective purpose because it's on a deeper, more personal level, which enables you to feel satisfaction and fulfillment on a deeper and more personal level. Yes. You know, especially the highly sensitive people or the empathic people, the highly empathic people and the intuitive people, we are on this planet with a mission and that's what we feel we might not know we are on a mission yet but our body knows or our soul knows so that is the feeling that that uh, undetermined feeling that you have that that you cannot name but that you feel and that's that's making you unhappy with with your life and that's what i hear a lot from my clients they come to me and they say you know i should be happy i have a good job I have a spouse or a partner that I love. Sometimes they even have children. Sometimes they have pets. They have a beautiful home. They should be happy. But they're not. And they're... Yeah. And they're, they're often ashamed for it, you know, because, yeah, how can you say you're not happy when everything is, is it appears to be okay. It appears to be good and, and everybody expects you to be happy. It's, I see that for a lot of people, that's, it's, it's a real threshold of admitting that they are not happy, that there's this yearning or this desire or this uncomfortable, unrecognized feeling inside. Yeah. And it is really interesting because, you know, you can be happy or unhappy in any circumstance. Yes. But we oftentimes, well, not even oftentimes, we almost always are ingrained with the thought that, you know, 
if you've got it going good for you, you should be happy. And if you're not, then like you're ungrateful. <laughs> yes, that's one thing. But what I also see is that most of us are looking for happiness outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we think we will be happy if we have that big house or that new car or that uh, big screen TV or, you know, material things or possessions. It's things outside of ourselves. But happiness is a choice you need to make each day. And it comes from within. I've seen people who are very poor, who hardly have anything, who are happy just because they choose to be, because they appreciate what is there instead of focusing on what's not there. Yeah. Well, that actually reminds me of a story. And I do agree on the point that you said that most of us are taught happiness should come from outside. Um, but an interesting story I remember hearing, I think it came from a Reader's Digest, but I heard it from somewhere else, is that there was this one guy that... You know, he'd wake up each morning and would make that purposeful decision. I have a choice today. I can choose to be have a good day. I can choose to have a bad day. I choose to have a good day. And he yes. would just always purposefully choose, I choose to be happy. And yes. there's this one day he worked in the restaurant industry and he left the back door to the restaurant open, which is a no-no, especially if you're the only one there, which he was. Yes. So a <laughs> couple... Robbers come in, um, you know, with a gun and they say, hey, go open the safe. And he's just like, oh, so he's like going to the safe, trying to open it. And because he's got a gun pointed at him, he's getting all nervous. And, you know, he slips with the combination. And the thieves, the robbers get a little bit nervous and one of them accidentally shoots him. Ooh. And then, you know, they freak out and just leave and now he's there in a restaurant the only one there well before opening time or even before another employee scheduled to get there and he's like bleeding out yes. <laughs> he's just like i choose to be happy <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> he's just like, slaying there well, i i, you know I forget you're shot anyway, and you're maybe even dying anyway. So you can choose to die miserably, or you can choose to die happy. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. I had never thought of, even though I've heard the story a few times. It's, yeah, just, you know, you're going to die, you're not going to die. Choose to be happy, because either way, like, okay, if you live, that's a happy thing. And if you die, like, why would you choose to die miserably? Like, at least go out happy. At least I died happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they come in, you just lay in their blood all over the floor, and there's a smile on your face, and you're just like, what? Yes. <laughs> um, somehow or another, he did get to the hospital. I don't remember the specifics of that, but he did get to the hospital. And, you know, they're rushing him in on the gurney, and they're going to the operating room to get this bullet out of him and stitch him back up. And one of the nurses asks him, like, okay, are you allergic to anything? And he says, yes. And everyone just, like, pauses, like, what's he allergic to? We need to know so we don't put any more in him or anything. Like, they're like, is it food? Is it a medicine? Like, what? He's like, yes. Like, oh. And they just, like, pause. He just pauses a second. And then he screams out, bullets! <laughs> And then there's like, oh yeah, why well, he's going? Let's get to the operating room. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and, and you know the story illustrates the point of even in that terrible situation where you know he's fighting for his life mm. he can choose to be happy and he can choose to still have a sense of humor yes and most it, people forget that. yeah you always have a choice and when you are feeling down or sad or angry or hurt any given moment you have the choice to think to choose i don't want to feel this way anymore and then you get to choose how you do want to feel but we are most of the time not aware of it so we become a slave to our feelings instead of the master of our feelings yeah yeah Th that reminds me of a couple more examples these ones personal um when i was dating my now wife it was like our second date um i drove her to her apartment to drop her off and the idea was okay i'll just drop you off and then it became like it became after i parked okay let's go up and i'll say goodbye at the door which then became talking for like three hours on her couch <laughs> and then it was like oh it's like two in the morning i should probably go home <laughs> <laughs> so you know go back down to my car and she's like hey how about i go with you because you know we're just like oh ooey gooey over each other which is awesome it's yes super in love and so we wanted to be together all the time even though it was just our second date um and we go down to the car and I see this little paper on my driver's window and it says warning. And I'm like, oh, they just told me not to park here. Um, and then I get around to, you know, where I can see all of my vehicle because there was other cars parked in front from my angle. And I see there's a boot on the back of the car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, Okay. And, you know, I had that split second of response, which yes. Stephen Covey talks about in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He's like, we have response ability. We have the ability to respond. And so I yes. had that moment where I recognized it was happening, and yet it happened so fast that it was kind of really cool because of the response I did have. I just started busting a gut. I was just <laughs> laughing. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, she, this girl isn't even my girlfriend at this point. She's just a girl I've gotten a couple of dates with. She's looking at me like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> you got a boot on your car. I'm like, it's so funny. <laughs> and she's like, well, why is it funny? I'm like, well, because one or two things. And I don't remember I told her this. At least right then, I, I maybe did, maybe didn't. But my thought was, this is going to be a great story to tell our kids, or this is going to be a funny story to tell about this girl I dated. <laughs> it's like either way, like in the future, this will be funny. Like, why not laugh now? I don't have to get upset and be like, oh, I got a boot on my car. It's like, no, just be happy. <laughs> I would have thought something like, universe, are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> trying to tell me not to park in a numbered stall. Or that you shouldn't leave. Yeah, yeah. 
she is your wife now so you know right yeah it's, it's it did help for the relationship because she then she felt bad because she told me to park there she's like oh yeah just park here just drop me off and you know like i said the thought was like i just dropped you off at the door and three hours two hours later there's a boot on the car <laughs> <laughs> and she just felt so bad she was like oh no like, let me like could i like wait it out with you because it was going to take like 45 minutes for the company to come take the boot off and i'm like okay at this point i need to be down with the car to make sure i don't miss them and yes. that somebody doesn't come tow it um so she's like hey how about i wait with you and i'm just like if you want to and i'm thinking yes 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 <laughs> you know we had another great conversation for another 45 minutes half hour hour however long it actually took yeah awesome i love that response and it definitely is a story you know a wonderful story to tell right and that's the thing is like you know my thought was to to, you know my future kids it's like i've had the opportunity to share with so many people and it's just you know either it's just a funny story or it's a story with the meaning and a moral behind it so you know it's just it it was a good experience the other two boots i had at that apartment complex not so great but you know at least the first one was good yes (laughs) that i just parked in the street (laughs) (laughs) screw this gamble i'm i'm done with this 60 dollar gamble here (laughs) yeah 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 that's that's an expense and i did hear Another guest I had really early on, he said that he had a friend that just always never paid his parking meter because he's like, you know, I'll get a ticket maybe once, maybe twice a week, and that'll be a little bit less than what I would pay for parking each day. (laughs) I'm like, that's one way to think about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I know people actually here in the Netherlands do that because parking in the street is very expensive and then they put it in a parking garage of a supermarket and it's not allowed to be there at night but the fine that you need to pay to be there is a lot cheaper than paying to park it on the street for the entire weekend <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I mean for the boots, the street parking, there wasn't any meters. It was just free. It was just off times super crowded because where my wife was living at the time, not very, um, how, how can I say this? The amount of apartments did not equal the amount of parking spaces that was needed. Yeah. So there was a imbalance there that meant the street was always full yes yeah that's the problem here as well yeah (laughs) yeah built like 40 50 years ago and never changed up to allow for more parking oh this my neighborhood is actually built a turn of the century so (laughs) last century so near this century 120 old yes there you are (laughs) okay what we had a bleep yeah, cut, cut out a little bit. We'll try and edit this part out. Um, so, so what was that little bit you were just saying, though, that built at the turn of the century, like, 120 years ago? Yes, 120 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Horse and buggy, and, you know, you didn't have to park those. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think they had horse and buggy in the beginning, even. Oh, well. Or was it? 
already there around that or maybe around that time it was already there i'm, I'm not that familiar with uh, the 1900 turn of the century uh, right transportation <laughs> yeah I, I can speculate but i haven't done a ton of research <laughs> um, yeah and I mean, I guess that makes sense with like pictures I've seen of the Netherlands where it seems like everything's just super close together. So you just walk. Is that right? Um, well, yes, but uh, not the cities themselves. So you do need a car to go from city to city or you take public transport. But within the city, most people either walk or take the bike. A lot of people ride the bike here. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean... I guess to turn this around to personal development, recognize that sometimes you've built something in the past that needs to be renovated to just for the current situation. It's yes. Like, you know, both where I was uh, visiting my wife as we were dating and for you, parking is an issue. You know, maybe in your life, you've got an issue with parking or an issue with the way your house looks or whatever and i'm talking metaphorically here it's like you know if you say that your life is you're building a house or however you will you know maybe there's yeah. something you need to renovate yeah that can be indeed a challenge because you always need to make sure that you can uh, either move or get the stuff in so and we have these portable containers that a lot of people then use with a, a, a ribbon in between with a note saying, please don't park here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that one. Um, let's turn the conversation back around a little bit here. Um, you mentioned about HSP or highly sensitive people. Um yes. How does one recognize if they are or aren't a highly sensitive person? And what does it mean if they are? I mean, you mentioned a little bit already, but let's take a little bit of a dive there. Oh, that's a very good question. So um, the thing that you can notice it by the fastest is that we literally hear more, see more, smell more, taste more, and uh, experience more in the same types of situations than other people so we tend to be very intuitive we feel other people's energies other people's emotions when we are working in like an office garden that was so popular recently for office buildings we hear everything all the conversations the radios that are playing people walking by but we also smell their par their perfume um, when they come by with coffee or maybe a cup of soup um, we see all the colors of everything on the wall and that's a lot of information that comes in so i always say our sensory antenna is much more finely tuned than that of a non-highly sensitive person and okay. We also process information much faster and on a much deeper level. So for me, that meant when I was working still for the boss and we were solving a problem, for instance, that one of my colleagues would come with a solution for the problem. And us being such fast processors, I could immediately see, okay, so if this is your solution, then this will happen here and that will happen there and that will mean this and then that and then this and then that. And I think, oh, that solution is not going to work because we shift very fast. 
And I would say, okay, that's not going to work. And then they would say, oh, you're always so pessimistic or you're always so negative or you always come with that doesn't work. And, and that's also what I hear a lot of my clients give as feedback that they feel misunderstood and that people often perceive them as being negative while they're just being honest. <laughs> and it's that, that ability to process really well. And um, if people who experience this and probably want to know, yeah, but what can I do about it? What you can do about stuff like this is help people make that journey along your thoughts. So ask them, you know, if this is your solution, what will happen here? And I'll let them come up with the answer. And if they have the answer and then you say, okay, and if this happens here, then what does that mean for this thing here? And again, let them come up with the answer. And then if that means this for this part, then the end result will be resolved. And then they come to the conclusion, oh my God, no, that's not going to work. So you help them along the process of what you're thinking instead of presenting them with the end conclusion. Awesome. Yeah, as you're describing all these things of how one tells if they're HSP or highly sensitive person, I'm like, hmm, maybe not HSP, but I might be SP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm not a highly sensitive person, but I feel like I'm probably at least a sensitive person. Because, I mean, as you're saying, like, they think really fast. I'm thinking, I'm like, huh, yeah, no, definitely do that. <laughs> Uh, as far as seeing more, I tend to perceive the room a lot better than what I think other people are. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one of the hardest things is just like you have no way to compare except for talking about it or communicating yes. in some way with another person. It's like, oh, do you perceive things like this or am I different? And you know... Yeah. And, and that's, that's one of the problems. I always thought that people were more or less the same. So I operated out of the assumption that everybody was more or less like me. <laughs> and then it's very brutal to find out that more, most people are just absolutely nothing like me. <laughs> when you operate out of the assumption that almost everybody is somewhat like you. Yeah. But, you know, it goes, it goes further than that. It's, it's also... We have a very strong sense of injustice. So when I hear on the news that people have tied their dogs to trees in the woods because they were, yeah, they didn't find a solution other than that for them when they went on holiday, let's say it very politely. <laughs> I always feel that injustice as, as a, almost a personal attack. And then I think, oh, you know, I would love to just find the owners and tie them to a tree and leave them there for a couple of days and see how much they'll, they would like it, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And um, it's, it's also being able, um, and, and this is one of the things I didn't understand about myself when I was younger. Um, we can also take over other people's emotions as if they are our own. So when I was young, I, I am, I'm, upbeat, happy, um, joyful child. But from one moment until the next, I could be inconsolably sad. And I didn't know why. And when my mother would ask me, why are you crying? I couldn't answer. I didn't know. And she would ask me, are you hurt? No. Did somebody call you a name? No. 
uh, did something happen? Did something break? Are you disappointed? And it was all no, 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 no. And that was a part of myself that for the longest time I didn't understand until I found out I'm a highly sensitive person. And it turns out that I took over somebody else's grief. But because I was feeling it, because I was feeling the grief, I thought, you know, it's mine because I'm feeling it. I didn't know I could feel somebody else's hurt or somebody else's pain or somebody else's uh, tears, but also somebody else's joy. So that's also uh, one of the things that, that you can recognize it from. And most of us tend to be perfectionistic. And that doesn't pertain to your house. It doesn't mean that my house is spick and span and, and perfectly clean and organized and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Not what perfectionism is. Yeah, it's, it's that you want to do what you do very, very well. And we raise the bar really high, especially for ourselves. So good is seldom good enough. And what we would accept from other people, like, for instance, canceling on an appointment, we would not accept that from ourselves. Yeah. You see, the funny thing about running a podcast for me and covering these type of topics and conversations is, like you said, the... You, as an HSP, you're a, can relate to about 20% of the population. And I found a lot more ways that people are different. And yet I've also found a lot of ways that people are just the same. And both are beautiful. Yes. The other interesting thing is I really tend to attract people on as guests that teach me more about who I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes pretty sure i've Excellent. got undiagnosed adhd to some well, extent or another and, and as you're talking about being hsp i'm like you know that sounds like it fits the bill <laughs> to some extent or another and well that's what i what i wanted to say a lot of people who are actually highly sensitive they get diagnosed with adhd or ADD, or with borderline, and sometimes even autism, while they are not that. But that's because whenever we experience heightened emotions or stuff that happens, we tend to think there's something wrong with us. And ADHD, ADD, borderline, autism, they're all afflictions. And they have a lot of similarities with high sensitivity, which is why it's being diagnosed wrong. But high sensitivity in itself is not an affliction. It's just the way you are born, your nervous system is wired differently than that of the other 80%. And it's hereditary, so it's not a disease, it's not an affliction, there's nothing wrong with you. But because a lot of us suffer from not knowing that we are and how it works, we experience a lot of things that can be unpleasant. And then we start looking for something to blame, for something that um, explains why we are this way. And that often gets misdiagnosed as yeah, ADHD, ADD, autism, or borderline. Okay. Interesting. Well, I guess for the listeners wanting to gain more insight finish listening to this episode and then go back and listen to the episode with Katie Duncan talking about ADHD. And it'd be interesting to see the similarities there. Interesting. Yes. 
you know, because uh, if, if I look at the, the, the child of my best friend, um, he's been diagnosed with ADHD, but I'm very, very sure he's actually highly sensitive. And they diagnosed him with ADHD because he's very energetic and very excitable and very present uh, when he's in the class. He likes to be the clown and he likes to be the center of attention. But that's not because of an access of energy that comes from him. He takes over the joy and the excitement of all the other children in his class. But he cannot express it. So he is stuck with all the excitement of all 30 people in his class. So that's a lot of excitement and that's a lot of energy. And he needs to release that. And that's why he plays the clown part also because he wants to be liked by people, which is also a trait of high sensitivity. Um, and, and that makes him clown around while at the same time losing all this energy that he's taking over from everybody else in the class. So he's actually a highly sensitive child, but he's now being diagnosed as HDHD. Huh. Now I'm trying to frame my one friend with the perspective of being a highly sensitive person because man all the time growing up he would just be the guy bouncing around literally i mean he got a pogo stick so he's literally bouncing around awesome. <laughs> um and not just any pogo stick is a hydraulic pogo stick so you know he was bouncing five feet in the air um but also just like jumping off of things because it was fun and just running around, never could sit still. And then I hear that now he's got an office job and he loves yeah. it and can just like focus. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> this guy lie, like right. doing that. I'm just like, what? You know, he's been a diagnosed with ADHD, but now thinking about, if he indeed were a highly sensitive person, that would actually kind of make a lot of sense. And I need to yes. think about it more, but it's one of those things that gets really interesting. Think about well, it. I created a test on my website that people can take, it's free, uh, and that will tell you uh, if you are a highly sensitive person, yes or no. Oh, so cool. I can make sure link to it and you can uh, maybe post it in the show notes for everybody that's listening that thinks you know i want to see if i or somebody i know uh is a highly sensitive person yes or no yeah that'd be awesome we'll make sure you get that in the show notes cool yeah well, i guess the question now is if you are a highly sensitive person or know a person who's highly sensitive what then like, what do you do differently? What do you not do differently? Well, my advice would be to find someone who can help you discover who you are. I call it discovering your user manual. And the example that I gave with um, how I used to present the end conclusion of my thinkings and how I now transform to taking people along with my thinking so that they would reach the conclusion by themselves. These are very important things to know about yourself and to know where you differ from the other 80% and how you can create the bridge. Okay. I like that, discovering your user's manual. And the fun thing is you get to write it. You know, yes. you can definitely have input from a lot of sources. 
And that's kind of how our life started out is just input from everyone around us. But you get to decide what your user manual is going to contain now. Yes, but it's also, you know, about finding uh, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses. Uh, if you want to start a business, for instance, then you know what you are good at and what jobs you can do yourself. And you know what you're not so good at and what things you can better outsource to somebody else, for instance. But yeah. it's also about discovering what gives you energy and what drains your energy and how you can better protect your energy. And if you do feel drained, how you can quickly re-energize yourself. Those types of things. Yeah. I think the beautiful thing there is you can definitely get help with someone that knows more about this, like you, Barbara, or other people there. Um, versed in this and you can yes. also start yourself and you know it yes. depends on how willing you are to actually pursue that but you could do it entirely on your own if you're willing yes. to put that much effort in yes you know that's uh, i always give the example of a personal trainer yeah you want to uh, either lose weight or you want to get in shape something like that, or maybe you want to just be more healthy. You can do that by yourself. You can uh, go to the gym, you can exercise, you can change your diet, and probably you will have results, right? Um, but you don't exactly know what results or in what time frame. but eh, you, you can do it yourself, or you can hire a personal trainer that will sit down with you and get really clear on what your goals are, where you want to go, and then create an exercise routine with a meal plan for you that will get you there. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the cool thing with that example too is oftentimes personal trainers, in order to understand their client better, will have them do particular tests, like maybe figure out what their blood type is or other things that tell them, okay, this is a detail about this person that, you know, a person with type O blood or with type A blood or a person with type B negative blood, they should eat these foods and they shouldn't eat these foods. And, you know, I'm sure there's other things to do with exercise and whatnot. I'm not an expert or personal trainer, but, you know, I know enough to, you know, have an idea there. Mm -hmm. And they take all that information to then say, okay, based off these additional insights I have that you wouldn't get on your own unless you happen to, you know, get really deep and figure that out. But, you know, a person trying surface level stuff would never get there. But the personal trainer yeah. goes in and says, okay, boom, boom, boom. These things that I've seen before and I've dealt with before, let me just hand them to you on a silver platter work with this and do it like this and it'll work better yes and yeah, so you get better results and you will actually get the results that you want right better actually get it and faster and more efficient yes exactly yeah and that goes into being a coach or mentor like based off the type of mentor, the type of coach you hire, they'll almost certainly have some type of test or at least, you know, themselves be able to discern things 
beyond what you can see either from whatever gifts they have or just because they're trained to be that really good second set of eyes on your life and they'll be like okay based off what i'm seeing here do this do this do this and that will help you get towards your goal faster easier um and actually get there yes you know i've stumbled and i've fallen and i've had get back up again and because of all those experiences, I can see people heading in the same direction and you can then give them the thing that they need or help them bypass falling down and immediately get where they want to be because you've already experienced it. I only teach people the things that I know work because they work for me and I had to figure it out the long way and you can benefit from my knowledge and do it the short way. Yeah. That's one of the great things about a mentor is they've done the thing and it's taken them 50 steps or 100 or only 10, depending on how big the thing is. But then they can say, okay, out of these 10, 50 or 100 steps, take out these eight, take out these 40, take out these 80 steps because you don't need them. You know, maybe it's more like take out these two, take out these 10 and take out these 20 steps but whichever way it is you know they've already experienced it if they've gotten there and they know okay this you don't need to do this you do need to do don't do the thing you don't need to do and do the thing you do need to do exactly go left here and step right (laughs) yeah it becomes streamlined yes yeah. Yes, you don't have to reinvent the wheel again. You can hop on somebody else's wheel. <laughs> yeah, hop on somebody else's wheel while you learn to make your own. <laughs> yes. You, you don't have to reinvent it. You just have to you know, make your own. You get the schematics. <laughs> yes. Get the blueprints. That's a nice note. <laughs> okay, because, you know, the wheel hasn't been reinvented. Well, there might be people arguing with me on that one. The peop- the wheel and its shape hasn't been reinvented. <laughs> and then I'm thinking of s- spherical wheels. The wheel and its purpose has not been reinvented. <laughs> no. <laughs> I keep coming up with more examples of how I'm proving my statements wrong. The wheel has been refined. That's the point I'm trying to get to. <laughs> <laughs> it was invented a long time ago and it maybe has seen different iterations, but in, usually in no general, longer. it has been more refined. <laughs> and you can take that more refined version now. <laughs> uh, spherical wheels, steering wheels. Yeah. Anyways. Yes. It's, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to reinvent it until you've exhausted everything with what has been invented. How about that? That's actually kind of like that. You don't have to reinvent it until you've exhausted everything with how it is now. And sometimes you just mentally you can see if it'll work for you with everything that is out there currently. Exactly. It's getting really hypothetical there, but you know, hopefully that helps someone. <laughs> yes. 
almost gone philosophical. <laughs> yeah. Hypothetical, philosophical. We like those, right? <laughs> well, awesome. one wheel, one wheel that does work is vision boards, and I don't know if you, yeah. Barbara, have had much experience with those. Yes, it's a part of what I teach, also. Awesome. Well, I share vision board success every week, and this vision board success for today is to get a new black leather mission belt. And the mission belt is a particular type of belt that ratchets instead of has holes. So it's a lot, it's just so much simpler. Like it's kind of crazy. It wasn't thought of earlier, which, you know, we were just talking about reinventing the wheel. So the belt was reinvented. We <laughs> <laughs> put ratchets instead of holes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you do need to reinvent the wheel. But you don't need to reinvent the first wheel. There, I think that's the part that was missing. You don't need to reinvent the first stone wheel. You can take that and improve upon it and then reinvent it. That's the point I was trying to make. Very good. You got there. <laughs> yes, finally. Um, yeah, so I put this up on my vision board. Um, well, actually, I did never put it up on my vision board, but I put it on my list of things I would eventually put on my vision board and I put it on there in November of 2020 and then I took it off on June 18th of 2021 and the interesting thing here is the reason I needed a new black leather mission belt is because the other one the buckle had broke and so you know, like a pin fell out or something. And I maybe could have repaired it, but it was just like, you know, I was just get a new one. I don't know how to do this and don't care to take the time on it. Yeah. Uh, well, I was in the shopping center where they sell these one day in June. And I hadn't been there since I put this up on my, to put on my vision board list. <laughs> And, you know, so I just, I'm like, you know what, let's just go see how much they are, because I was still not exactly having set enough money aside to just go buy a new one, because they're about 40 bucks. Mm -hmm. um, and I go in and I start talking with the retail sales guy, and he's just like, I'm like, well, how much are these? And he's like, oh, they're 40 bucks, or maybe they actually were 60, however much they were, it was outside of how much I was going to pay for it at the moment. And I explained, I'm like, yeah, I need a new one of these because you know the buckle broke and yada yada and he's like well we sold just the buckles if you want to just get one of those i'm like wait a second why did i think of that and so i just bought the <laughs> buckle and it was like 12 bucks or something I'm like okay let's go <laughs> <laughs> awesome. so you know functionally it was yep. a new black leather mission belt the leather was the same but functionally it was a new belt so yeah. i got that one off and Vision board success number 47. Check. Keep going. Yes. Do you have uh, like a, an actual board or do you use a manifestation box? So I've got an actual board. I've got a, I think it's a cork board. My mind just went blank oh, yeah. on that, but it's, you can, it's like you can stick push pins in it. I think that's called a cork yeah. board. I have a cork board as well. <laughs> and so I've got that here in my office next to me and 
you know, some things are close to coming off and other things may be close, maybe not. Ooh. I'm actually really excited for some of the ones going to come off real soon. Um, which, you know, makes sense. I put it up there because I was excited for it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I've got a vision board successes binder where I keep all the ones I've gotten, just put them in little file protectors and it's, it's cool. You just get to keep creating, keep envisioning, keep having awesomeness flow into your life. Yes. Oh, let me ask this question. This is an interesting question. As an HSP, do you find vision boards take on a different, like it, do they function differently than with quote unquote normal people? Well, to a degree. We notice often much more details in the things that we see. So okay. while uh, the other 80% might see a car, we also notice the background of the car and everything that's there as well. Mm. Okay, it's so like you to get that picture and then like, oh yeah, the car and you're just like, and the background. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, it's very important that you find the exact right type of image to put on your vision. Makes sense. Maybe and if you I'm want to actually... sorry i was just gonna say maybe that's why i just take images with white as the background <laughs> yeah maybe yeah because then you get actually very clear on this thing that you want because it's the subject of the photograph mm -hmm. the only thing there and if we want to actually um uh, uh, invited more in, then we need to use even more senses. So that means while you are watching your vision board, uh, you might be listening to some calming or meditative music, and you might uh, have a scented candle going so that you also connect smell to it. That makes it even stronger. Yeah. And something you can do as well there is... Oh, that's actually a cool idea. Let's say you're like wanting a car or to go on a fishing trip or something. You could like Google a YouTube video or just some sounds of what, you know, like being on a fishing trip sounds like. It'd just be listening to that while you're there. Yes. That'd be cool. I also kind of like the right. smell idea because, you know, I've, you can imagine the smell but actually smell the smell that would be interesting and you know with as many scented candles as they have they've probably got something close to what you're needing <laughs> yeah exactly and uh if not then there are also essential oils yeah i uh, i use a lot of essential oils in my day-to-day -day life and also within my practice i create my own blends also for highly sensitive people so yeah. that's also something that's uh be amazing and you can get much more specific than with a candle <laughs> yeah that's that's cool because yeah what i've always just heard is you know you put yourself there in your mind you know let's say you want to go on a cruise or you want to go visit machu picchu or you want to go visit the taj mahal or wherever and you think about, okay, well, I get up there to the top of the mountain at Machu Picchu. 
and I'm seeing the stonework in front of me and I'm hearing the chatter of Spanish around me as well as a couple other languages. And I'm there holding hands with the person I went with, my wife, or, or you're there just, you know, giving your friend a hug if you went with your friend. And, you know, you got your camera in your pocket and you start to feel it because you're like, oh yeah, I got to start taking pictures. And so you feel it in your pocket on your leg and you can smell the very earthy smells that accompany there as well as the rain coming in and you're like okay i gotta make sure that i go get my pictures before the rain comes in and ruins it and you know you just put yourself there in your mind and as you start to really imagine what it's like to be there you open up your eyes and your mind's like wait a second wait just a second and this actually just happened to me as I was explaining that. I'm like, wait a second. I'm not where I was just, I'm not, my wife isn't next to me and I'm not at Machu Picchu. Something's off here. What needs to change so that I'm there? And your brain will start coming up with those solutions and feeding to them to you as you go about. Yes. But I'm curious how actually physically putting those senses in would change it that's it's an interesting thought you know you said calming music or meditative music you, i say you can also have like upbeat music honestly any kind of music that helps you focus more on whatever you're trying to get but calming definitely is more common yeah. in that realm Every time you then smell that smell or hear that music and it's by itself, then you um, are vibrating at the same frequency again because you, you coupled all those senses together. Okay. That but makes gets more. Huh. Yeah. Huh. That's really cool. Which actually reminds yeah. me, the way they found out that salmon can figure out how to go back home is through smell. Because this one guy was, you know, he was a scientist puzzling over how do salmon figure out how to go back to where they were born? They literally, like, were, were there once or were there, it was either once or never. Because I, I think they, like, have two mating seasons, one in the ocean and one in the lakes. So either they've been there once or they've been there never. And he's like, how in the world do they figure out where to go? It makes no sense. And as he was puzzling over this, he's going on a hike and he smelled this one smell that reminded him of like being at home with something or something like that. And he's just like, that Eureka moment, he's like, oh, this is how they do it. They smell they smell their way home so to do that with a vision board actually kind of really cool yeah indeed thank you i didn't know that i learned something yeah you're welcome you know you just have that smell and it's guiding you home towards having that vision board thing accomplished yes indeed so if you then couple it to for instance an essential oil and you wear that oil every day. Uh-huh. 
starts to guide you to getting there. Yes, exactly. Excellent. I love all the gold nuggets that get shared here. You listeners are really not spoiled, but you know, you get you have the opportunity to learn so much. I'm excited. That's what it is. Yes. Awesome. Well, I feel like we're kind of about that time to wrap up things here, Barbara. So um, if people was wanting to find out how to be able to work with you or find out more about you, where could they find that at? Well, the most obvious place is to just go to my website, which is hspcoachbarbara.com, Barbara with an E. Um, and I can also be found on all social media platforms under the same name, HSP Coach Barbara. Um, I have a YouTube channel where I make a lot of um, movies about questions from people that are wondering about stuff. Uh, so that is also very informative if you want to know more. And, and first also um, see <laughs> who I am. Um, so that would be the easiest way. And uh, on my website, it's also possible to book a free call with me because I just love getting to know people and uh, having a heart-to-heart talk. So if anything of uh, what we talked about tonight uh, resonated with you and you would like to talk about it, then I would love to meet you. Excellent. Well, make sure to get those links in the show note as well. Um, did you have any other th- thoughts you wanted to share and about anything we were talking about here, Barbara? Well, maybe this last piece, I speak to so many people who feel that they need to turn themselves into someone for various reasons. And I just want to ask them, what if you turned yourself into you? What if you stopped pretending, stopped resisting stop trying so hard and just became effortless because that's what it means to really be yourself and to step into your zone of genius and um go with the flow instead of like the salmon swimming upstream (laughs) smelling your way home i learned today so it's yeah Get to know yourself and get to love yourself and get to be proud of yourself. And from then, life only gets better. Yeah. Well, thanks for that last little bit, Barbara. And for those looking to find out more about me or how to work with me, be sure to head on over to starlightmentoring.com. You can also find me at Facebook. And just remember, like you can rewrite your stars. Um, maybe you're an HSP, maybe you're an SP, maybe you're just a normal person. And you know, I don't think normal actually exists. Because, <laughs> you know, the more I find out about people, the more I'm like, you know, we're all unique in our own different ways. There's no normal. There's definitely different than you know, one type of person, but, you know, there's no normal. And that's okay, because we're all unique. And that's what makes it, that's part of what makes us awesome. 
So find out what your uniqueness is, whether it's you are an HSP, a highly sensitive person, or maybe you're got another superpower, you know, whatever it is, find out what it is and live it to your fullest because you are worth investing in in both time, energy, money, resources, and who you're meant to be is worth choosing into. I could not have said that any better. That was absolutely beautiful. I wholeheartedly agree. Thanks. And yeah, we'll be sure to catch you next week.